unfettered creativity of secondary sources of funding, the inspirations of yesteryear on the world of Hallownest, how things remain special when they remain rare, and the weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. I'm the Well-Read Mage, and this is MageCast. Despite its relatively cartoonish facade, MageCast podcast is about going deeper, dare I say, darker and grittier. I kid. Although Hollow Knight isn't kidding, it's a game known for its difficulty, its scope and scale, and its somber attitude. And here to navigate its subterranean labyrinths from the Crystal Peaks to Deep Nest, with me is David Crane, writer and editor from All Source Gaming, retro gaming enthusiast, admitted industry outsider, and definitely not the guy who invented Pitfall. Together, we've crafted for you a meandering but impassioned plea of a conversation for the heights of imagination and the depths of difficulties. Yes, there will be comparisons to Dark Souls. MageCast is the podcast for the lonely, for those in need of the human presence, for those who miss real discussion. MageCast is the podcast for conversationalists in a world where we've already stopped listening to each other. If you enjoy the show and want more of it, please consider supporting our crowdfunding campaign at patreon.com forward slash the pixels, where you can have early access to new episodes. Or you can visit thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, to learn more. And now, let's start the show. Hello, my friends. Happy 2022. Here we are with the first episode of the year 2022 and it's one that we didn't quite find uh the perfect date to schedule in 2021 but that's all right we pushed it back i'm sitting here with david crane who has not been on the show before i may know him on twitter under 8-bit spazzy Mm -hmm. uh david how are you today i'm doing great i like to think of the delay of this podcast as an homage to the delay of silk song Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that is that is an excellent uh, analogy right there. Uh, Would that Silk Song came out as quickly as this podcast? Oh, man. Yes. You know, sometimes you just uh, good things take a while. Um, And hopefully this this particular podcast is a good thing. But yeah. Yeah. So um, you guys might know me. Yeah. 8-bit underscore spazzy on uh, Twitter. I spend most of my time with uh source gaming so if you follow them on on youtube or on twitch or on uh, twitter um i've been with them pretty much since the beginning uh primarily we do kind of nintendo stuff and a lot of smash brothers stuff which means we have less stuff to do now because yeah there's less smash <laughs> i was gonna ask i mean what do you do what do you do now you wait for the next one or you um analyze I, yeah we, we just uh we just hope that that more companies keep making random platform fighters that we can make videos about. Oh my God. WB is doing one. <laughs> uh. Yeah. We now, but we, 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 we've been trying to branch out we do, you know, we do other non smash stuff, but that, um, that has kind of typically been what our site has been known for. We are the ones that, um, translate all of the, uh, Masahiro Sakurai, um, Famitsu columns and those are over too. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's going to be a little different for us going forward. Uh, well, but that's fine. No, yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, knowing the, the, uh, frequency of game releases, you're going to find another darling to yeah, attach to yeah, and yeah. make your core, you know? So, uh, but David Crane, so you are not 
you are not the David Crane, the producer. You're not the David Crane who made A Boy and His Blob. I, I am not. Um, I'm a big fan of the world of Bloblonia, uh, but I am not that David Crane. Um, I would have to be. I mean, I wish that when I was, when did the first game even come out? When I was five, I had produced a hit Nintendo game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not me. Also the same dude that made uh, David Crane's, it's a super tennis. I don't remember the name of the tennis game, but same guy. <laughs> He's made a couple of, of games, hasn't it? Is he still around? That, that question just dawned on me. I don't think so. I think a lot of um, producers and directors from the 80s kind of uh, went away and kind of did, you know, did their, they, they had their time. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, unless you're you're kind of a, one of those superstar creators, uh, you know, you, you no longer are as involved in the game uh, sphere. And I think he's one of them, but I have no idea what he's up to. Um, maybe I'll... I'll do that. I think that, you know, that's, that's my new thing now with source gaming is I'm going to do, you know how they have like, uh, all those people do those lost media videos on YouTube. I'm going to do like lost creators videos. There you go. It's like, yeah, <laughs> what's this? Or maybe he's to? making a new, uh, pitfall or something like that. I don't know, Ooh, but sick. he's 69. Uh, yeah, he's not that old. He's, yeah. I mean, I mean, that would be an age where I, if I was a designer, I'd I'd be retire. Like, I'm going to retire. Dire, yeah, yeah. From, from making video games, but uh, we were kind of chit chatting before about a boy in his blob. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of a boy in his blob. I think the remake is like vehemently way more playable than the original. The original, is. the original isn't a great game. It was one of those games. Um, I, I feel like there's some eight bit games uh, on the NES where they just kind of throw you in and you're like, what am I even doing? And that's one of them. I always feel like uh, you ever played jaws on the NES. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's like, um, I don't know why I brought that game up in particular, but I think it's just kind of the quintessential game where it's just like, what is even the point of this game? If I didn't like, cause you go through and you, you know, you try to figure out the controls and it switches from, uh, you know, one area to another. And if you don't really have the instructions, and that's the other thing, a lot of people play retro games and don't have that experience that, you know, a lot of people had as kids where you take the box and you read the instructions on the way driving home from Toys R Us or whatever. Um, and I think a boy in his blob is one of those. that If you don't have the instruction booklet uh, mm. and you don't really do that deep dive to find out what each jelly bean does and all of that. Yeah. It's, it's not, it, it's a little archaic and it, it's an earlier NES game too. Uh, but I, I kind of love the way forward remake. Um, I think it's because I played it when it came out and that was, mm -hmm. uh, during the 360 era, you know, the 360 and we PS3 era and all of these games on these other consoles were just like these gritty gears of war style, like gray and Brown action shooters. And then you have this cute little re uh, remake of an eight bit <laughs> game that literally has a button where all it does is hug blob. And I thought yeah. that was like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of charm to the remake. The the original, I think there are some, I'm not one of those people that uh, thinks that like 8-bit games are unplayable. I think there's a lot oh, yeah. of uh, a lot of older games that have aged very gracefully and you can still pick mm -hmm. up and play. Um, Kirby, Punch-Out, just there's a ton of them. Oh, yeah. But um, A Boy in His Blob, yeah, it's not one of them. It's, uh, it's a little headache-inducing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just, I, I mean, you mentioned Jaws, uh, that actually appears on my top 365 favorite games of all time. Oh, that's that hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So 
it's one that I think is really creative in that, you know, you've got kind of the overworld and then this this shmup scene all of a sudden, and then you have to ram your boat into Jaws. I hadn't seen Jaws 3, so it didn't make much sense. Uh, but you have to give the original A Boy and His Blob credit for its creativity. Exactly. I mean, throwing jelly beans to a blob to navigate this side-scrolling world is interesting. It's just, you're totally right. You hit that nail on the head that... If you don't have a manual, you cannot just start playing the game um, without a lot of trial and error. Yeah, exactly. And that, I think that's why I drew that comparison to Jaws, because Jaws is a game that I loved it as a kid. But I know I, I've come across people that have played it recently and they're they're confused by it. And that's it's it's if you don't understand what you're trying to do, it's, right. it's weird. But I think one of the things um, and, and this isn't, you know, just a whole giant retro podcast where I swear no. we're eventually <laughs> going to get to what we're talking about. But I think uh, there is something to say uh, for having restrictions in an art form, right? Like, you know, yeah. like that's the whole point of, uh, uh, of doing poetry within limits, a haiku, something like that, where you, where you have a form that you're trying to match. And I think that in the eight bit era in particular, there were so many limitations that people found so many creative ways to get around it. And you see a little bit of that, I think too, in the transition to 3d, uh, in like some PS1 and N64 games where people have to make some creative decisions and do things like pre-rendered backgrounds and just yes. other interesting things like that. But I think you really see it from a game design standpoint on like Sega Master System and Nintendo Entertainment System games where people are just like, I don't know, man, like let's, like, like you said, let's, let's change up the gameplay to be like three different things. We don't, we don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out how to... Uh, retrofit this movie IP, you know, Gremlins 2 into yeah. this top-down <laughs> isometric shooter. It's like, um, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. I, I, and um, and I think there was enough form there, because I think when you go back to, like, our Atari 2600 games and things like that, um, the, the actual mechanics are much simpler because they had to be, and there's more kind of imagination involved in it. When you play something like Adventure, you're all like, yeah, that sure is a dragon. This sure is, you know, but once you get there, at least as crude as it was, like, you're like, no, Mario is clearly a person and these are clearly bushes and those are clearly clouds. And I know they just recolored some sprites, but, um, you know, it, it, it came across, uh, and yeah. And so that's why we're talking about hollow Knight. Apparently. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there is a bridge there. There is a bridge. First of all, very elegantly put. Uh, I've echoed those sentiments myself. I've compared, uh, you know, the early pixel art eight bit games to uh, the impressionist movement in that you have to provide a sense of your imagination and making making an, an interpretation of what these objects are in this game world so that you're not just being presented with bare realism down to hair follicles on somebody's face. Uh, but you can sort of bring yourself. So again, like when you're playing adventure, like, Oh, I'm a square, but like, what is the square? The square is what you imagine that, that knight, that soldier, whatever to look like. Now here's where the connection is. I think as we get into hollow Knight, hollow Knight draws inspiration as we'll get to uh, from some of those eight bit retro games, but hollow Knight as well, I think deliberately, uses certain limitations imposes limitations upon itself particularly in how it tells 
its story. It's not one where there is a ton of dialogue. It's not one where it sits down and, and expounds its narrative to you. You kind of have to piece that together over the course of yeah. what is the core gameplay ex- exploration. It's one of the many things this game does that reminds you a little bit of Dark Souls. <laughs> and now, <laughs> and I've never actually played a Dark Souls, so um, I will have to absolutely take your word for where it. Where there's a lot of world building and there's story to be found, but you can also ignore large portions of it if you if you're just playing. You know, where a lot of uh, a, a good example is Metroid Prime. Um, have okay. you have you played yeah. the Metroid Prime games? Yes. Uh, where there's a lot of environmental storytelling, and that one cheats a little bit because it has a scanner. Um, but the story comes from pieces and from the environment and from reading things and not from being told within the narrative what exactly is going on. You know, ah, yes. the the lore and the story is there if you want to delve deep and pay attention and, and find it. But if not, you're all like, haha, funny bug game. I'm running through and, you know, just stabbing <laughs> things. But um, I, 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 I think there's going to be, um, and honestly, I haven't, looked into too many other people's reactions to hollow Knight, but i'm sure that there are just tons of comparisons to dark souls for for a variety of reasons one oh, yeah one being the um you know the core mechanic of dying and losing all of your stuff which is mm-hmm. which is a very which is you know very dark souls um I, I dark souls isn't the game that initially did that i don't think but it's definitely the game that uh kind of made it a very famous mechanic mm-hmm. um and also, there's just a general feeling because the world of Dark Souls is a world that is, you know, without talking too much about that game, uh, a world of ruin, you know, a world that's already, that it's not even dying, it's pretty much already dead, but there's just a couple people hanging on that, you know, refuse to believe that. And I feel like that's very much the same sentimentality and the same emotion and, and really the same atmosphere that Hollow Knight goes for. And I don't know, uh, you know, having not read a lot of developer interviews and stuff, uh, if there, if a lot of that was purposeful and, uh, I, I kind of hate bringing up dark souls for anything because, because people are always like, it's the dark souls of this. And I'm not, I'm right. like, there's a dark souls of Metroid <laughs> games. And I'm really not trying to say that. And usually it's just because of specific mechanics and because the game's challenging, which this game is. Um, and I think this game's influences run a lot deeper than Dark Souls, and it's not just Dark Souls Metroid. Um, but I, I, I think it'd be uh, remiss to not at least mention a, a couple of connections, because I, I know a lot of other people have, have made them. I'm not treading new ground. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are important you know, connections to a, at least uh, mention. Um, would you say the art style is one of those limitations? Because I think it's interesting that the art style of the game, it's very beautiful, this kind of, you know, hand-drawn animation, but there's Mm -hmm. also kind of a simplicity to it, which I think allowed them to go with a larger world and create more enemies and have kind of this, um, you know, singular vision of what things look like and them not being complicated. So you can animate them easily and you can uh, create a whole bunch of enemies that, you know, have kind of this similar, you know, mask facade and and things like that. So, yeah, there's certainly a, a, a design philosophy of simplicity there. Actually, I'd read that most of the character designs were based on quick and simple sketches that were scanned straight into the game. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, which is surprising because I think hollow Knight has such a strong, visual concept to it like at a glance you're like that's hollow knight 
so it's it's striking to imagine then that somebody was so creative as to just be like, let me just draw these characters that kind of fall under this broad um, umbrella of conceptual design and we'll just churn them out and they'll be in this game. Uh, and it all fits. It feels like they're a part of the same world. Yeah. There's nothing that's juxtaposed or anything like that. And, and I, I would, I'd go as far as to say that I think it's probably, um, you know, not, it's one of the best looking, you know, quote unquote, Metroidvania titles there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the Ori games, I think personally uh, have a better, like, I don't well, they, it looks different, but I, I, I uh, those are, ga- that, that's another series that I would put up there visually uh mm-hmm. with all and that's a completely different style it's uh, a much more right. complex and, you know uh, uh resource intensive style so the fact that they pulled off a game that is in the same ballpark as that you know or or i would say it looks as good but in a different way than something like metroid dread is really a testament um to the strong uh art design philosophy of the game which i i think is great yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it's no spoilers now that we're talking about Hollow Knight, folks. This Magecast episode 66, entitled Tim Burton's A Bug's Life. Uh, <laughs> I suppose we could have also called it Bug Souls, but we're, we're calling it Tim Burton's A Bug's Life. Uh, Hollow Knight was developed and published by Team Cherry. It launched in 2017 for Windows, Mac, and Linux. Uh, there's an opening question here for you. Uh, interested to capture your thoughts on this. It is, how do we get more games as creative as this one? Three letters, NFT. No. (laughs) (laughs) People just like tuned out right now. Delete this show. I can't believe it. I I mean, that's such a weird open-ended question to me because Mm -hmm. it's about fostering creativity in smaller developers. And then also, I I, I think... uh, this game was, um, was this a game kickstarted? Did this game have, uh, was this a crowdfunded game? I, I, I think it was, I think it was really on, uh, on Kickstarter. And I, I, I think, um, I'm going through, I'm trying to do a quick, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. it was funded on Kickstarter. I just did a, a Google search. On oh, it. wow. Um, so that to me is, is surprising as I had not heard a lick about it being on Kickstarter. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, so and I guess in a minute we can get into our background and our experience with this game. So, um, yeah, and it got all the way to $56,000 for the second playable character with their own unique quest and abilities, which is what eventually morphed into Silk Song. Wow. Um, so that was <laughs> it. So, so two things, I think, is to um, have alternative funding methods. I think that's important. You know, Mm. this game, uh, they weren't going to like pitch this game to Ubisoft and get money for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think whether it's crowdfunding or, you know, whatever method it would take, um, you know, Square Enix has their, uh, what is it called? A Square Collection or or something like that, where where they actually fund some indie developers too. I, I think allowing people to have their own vision of a game that is, untethered from um, kind of this bigger corporate view of what a game should be. And I don't have a problem. I'm, I'm not one of those people like I hate blockbuster movies and AAA games and things like that. And I think there's uh, something to be said by that. But I think when you have um, kind of like this auteur vision, right? You know, 
that maybe a bigger company wouldn't have funded. And, and, and like I said, I, I love a lot of big, you know, big triple games that, that some people might consider fluff. Like I, I'm super excited for the next Mario Party. You know what I'm saying? Um, so right. it's, it's not, it's nothing against those types of games. It's having an outlet as well um, for creators that maybe have a, a smaller and very, um, you know, focused vision of what they want their game to be to allow them to create those and, and however that might be, you know, in this case, it was Kickstarter, um, you know, but how, however that is, we, we need to have these people, we need them to be able to express their creativity in a way that is true to them, if that makes sense. No, I think that does make sense. Uh, it's interesting to think in terms of the extremes that I think you hinted at where, you know, you think about AAA and there's a lot of the sentiment of, this is designed in such a way as to not fail. It's yeah. based on something that board members would be able to say, okay, we know that this is a selling point. We know this is marketable, therefore X, Y, Z. And then at the complete other end of the scale, I mean, I just played Minute the other day. I don't know if you played that one. I have not. Bizarre little uh, fun uh, adventure game where your character dies and respawns every 60 seconds. And you have to figure out how to navigate this adventure world using item acquisition and, and puzzle solving. Um, and it was, it was great, but that is something that you could only see that experimental in the indie sphere. Yeah. And so it's interesting. I think when you start to look at where those overlap, like hollow Knight feels like a humongous, a humongous game, uh, comparisons to Metroid dread recently, one of my favorite things that came out of that discussion on comparisons with dread is people were like, you know, uh, hollow Knight debuted at like 20 bucks or here it is. Uh, hollow Knight initially launched at 15 us dollars retail. Is that undervalued because Metroid dread launched at 60 bucks or is it that hollow Knight is also worth 60 bucks? Um, I think it's a valuable game. I mean, there's so much content in here. <clears throat> um, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, and further to the point, uh, this was crowdfunded. Like I'm on the Kickstarter page for $56,000. That's not a lot. That is no, that is less than a luxury automobile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And some Kickstarters explode. I mean, when, you, when I looked at this number here on uh, Wikipedia has it pegged at 57, uh, that's not a lot of money, especially for a game this humongous it's huge yeah exactly um but more to the point i i think it's a little disingenuous just to compare these two games because they're in the same genre which is explorative uh platformers uh which you know we call metroidvanias <laughs> um which maybe we could get into a conversation on that at some point because i i love sidetracking discussions on what is and is not a metroidvania i, I i'm really mm. looking forward to just dropping that on us at some point um, but Metroid isn't a game that is meant to be super long. And I, 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 I think that oftentimes uh, Hollow Knight does a very good job of keeping you captivated and playing for a good, you know, 20 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours. Um, but I think sometimes games do get a little long in the tooth. And Metroid is a game that is meant to have sequence breaking meant to be speed run meant to be played on diff multiple difficulties it's a game that is meant for you to have multiple playthroughs of 
the first time yeah. is to experience the game and then multiple times to uh, perfect it and perfect, uh, you know, your abilities in the game. And a lot of that comes from an old school mentality of, you know, games used to be $60 and they, they made them hard and they made them replayable because they couldn't make them super long just because there's only so much room on a cartridge. Right. Um, but I, yeah. but I think it's still a, a, a fine design philosophy. You know, it's, it, it's almost like looking at it like a roguelite where, mm-hmm. where you're playing this game multiple times because, Hey, and, and dread in particular, they put it, it, it's not bugs that they put in sequence breaks on purpose you know that right. you can go through and, and play this game different ways and and so it's a different experience whereas uh hollow knight as a metroidvania almost has that same vibe as like you know like a giant western rpg where you're all like i need to go explore every corner of this map and find every little thing and so it's mm-hmm. a very different experience like you i feel like um a, a typical player will uh, probably not replay Hollow Knight too many times after they finished it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this might be a good time to bring up my experience with Hollow Knight. So I, I played Hollow Knight to completion twice. And I was uh, a little um, curious why I was chosen to do Hollow Knight. I guess just because I've, I've tweeted about it once or twice. Because I'm not like a huge Hollow Knight fanatic. I don't know a bunch of merch. Um, it's been a couple years since I've really played it. Um mm-hmm. You know, so I, I may not have all of the little details and, you know, dive deep into the lore and remember everything about every boss fight. Um, there's some series I could do that with, you know. I, I could talk to you all day about pretty much any Castlevania game, for instance. Uh. <laughs> um, but uh, with Hollow Knight, so at E3 2017, um, I was hanging out with another game journalist who... Uh, um, Whatever she's a Brazilian games journalist. She was she was a great person, but she uh, so we were we were hanging out in lines for stuff and uh, talking about stuff. And she was breaking up. She's like, "Hey, have you played Hollow Knight yet? It's phenomenal." And I'm like, "Okay, all right." So I went home and I downloaded it on Steam and I played it. And she was right; it was phenomenal. Um, so I went through and I played the game. Uh, and there was a, t- a, a one moment in particular in the game, and I'll, I, I want to. I'm curious if, if you had a similar time where the game went from this game's okay, it's pretty good, to being like, okay, I get it. This is a special game. Um, and it was a particular boss fight where I'm, where it just kind of clicked for me how good these mechanics can be. Um, so I played through it once, and then uh, years later, and this was this. I, I remember. So this was the year that Smash Ultimate was announced. So I don't remember when that was. 2019, maybe. That sounds about right. Sure. Uh, so I had a, a bet with uh, with somebody else on the Source Gaming staff, where they said that the Mii's would not be back as playable fighters for the next Smash games. I'm like, you're dumb. Mm. <laughs> uh, and the the my prize for that that we were betting one game on the eShop. So I was looking. I'm all like, man, I, I could play Hollow Knight again. So I replayed Hollow Knight again, um, but I I waited a while. So I I replayed it in like 20. 20 2021 i don't remember that was the first time that i'd done uh any of the dlc um and really the only dlc that i i completed was the the grim troop stuff because i didn't have the patience for any of the other like crazy oh yeah yeah um so that's that's kind of i guess my experience with the game i think it was it's kind of um you know worth stating so um absolutely 
I, I feel like, uh, you know, you mentioned they're reaching a moment where it kind of just clicked. Um, I think for me, a hollow Knight. I didn't play it until, you know, much after 2017. Uh, but it it has a kind of mystique and an air about it. It's very elegant, very somber. Uh, and instantly when I started playing it, impressed with the atmosphere. But I think it was when I learned you can pogo stick with your sword that I was like, okay, I really like this game. Yes. It kind of, kind of really lets you experiment with the maneuverability of your character. Um, and it's not just a large world. Um, but there, there, you know, touching on the length of the game, I actually had a direct question on that from the black humor mage who, who asked, do you think the game is too long? So you mentioned you did grim, uh, the nightmare King battle is one of the most thrilling and difficult boss fights. Yes. Uh, the second one that I've ever done it took me three days to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For sure. I don't think it's, uh, and I think there might be another question related to this, so I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but I I don't think this game is ever unfair with its its boss battles. And that's something that I like. And especially, I feel like Grim is kind of insane, but it's also an optional DLC boss fight. So that's fine. (laughs) Right. It's not like they're locking half the game behind that fight. Yeah, and it wasn't even the hardest thing in the game. The hardest thing in the game was getting that stupid flower for the piece of a mask. Oh, from... oh my God, I hated that. The flower quest. Yeah. Definitely the hardest non-boss quest in the game. For me, Grim was the hardest thing in the game. Yeah. But like you, I didn't finish God Home. No, I was like, me neither. I can't, I can't do this. This is. I'm like, I have, I have other things to do, other games to play, other social right, right, right. I don't really want to become like perfect at at Hollow. Yeah, I love, I mean, I it's love Hollow Knight, that but that's yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's people yeah. that have played through it multiple times. Um, yeah, sure. I, I love that. I, I do like the uh, the pogo mechanic. Um, you know, from it obviously it, it brings to mind you know uh, the other night. Uh, Shovel Knight and uh, uh, Scrooge McDuck and uh, Wamp- yes. Wampum on the NES, which I don't know if you've ever played that game. Now, Wampum I haven't, but I was thinking DuckTales for sure. Um, Wampum uh, is interesting, and I think Wampum actually is a closer analog to Shovel Knight than uh, DuckTales, because DuckTales has more of that pogoing just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, Wampum is a game that uh, probably uh, wouldn't fly today, uh, not very culturally sensitive uh you play as uh some oh yeah 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 a, a native <laughs> american caricature yeah. um but i think it's actually from a gameplay perspective um like yeah i mean if, if you have some some free time uh to check out a random retro game it's interesting because i feel like there's a lot of um mechanics that you can see in later games i also think that that might might be a game that was actually reskinned from a different japanese game but don't quote me on that because i am not 100 percent sure which would be doubly interesting then given the choice of reskin that they used right hey man it was it was like it was a time yeah i'm sorry it was it was the 80s or maybe the early 90s i don't yeah i don't exactly recall at a glance yeah there's uh there's things from that era that um that are definitely things from that era uh, I think it's interesting br- kind of d- bringing up NES games like this. Uh, other older games that were cited as inspirations were Metroid, <coughs> Faxanadu, Zelda 2, and Mega Man. Uh, at least that were cited from the developer's perspective. These were the games that they thought of when they were designing Hollow Knight. And I think you can see a lot of that DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In ha- there. Have you played all of those games? 
I have, yeah. Okay. Uh, the only one of those that I've not beaten is Faxanadu. Oh, Faxanadu is so great, though. Faxanadu. It is. Um, yeah. No, it is. I, I always There's so I, many I, good games I haven't beaten. <laughs> I always I always tell people that Metroid is one of the worst Metroidvanias on the NES. <laughs> oh yeah, the first one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There, but there are, yeah. and um, not that I'm saying that you should play you know, uh, games you don't own. But if you happen to own a copy of Metroid, there are ROM hacks of Metroid um, that add a lot of quality of life to it that I think make mm. it a, a much better game. Um, just having a map, ooh, which is something we can talk oh, about yeah. in Hollow Knight eventually. Uh, yeah, but, but just, that's huge. Yeah, um, just because I wanted to touch on it because I didn't bring it up. Uh, sure. The, the boss fight that made me think, man, this game is something, uh, were the mantis lords ah it took me a few tries um Mm -hmm. um, not not like a bunch like maybe three or four um yeah but it was just so well designed where if you got punished it's just because you didn't know their patterns you know what i mean it was yeah it it, it was it was just such a well-designed fight it was it was challenging and you felt satisfied once you completed it but it never felt broken or unfair i mean there's there's some fights in here that you do get a little frustrated on um that wasn't one of them i feel like it was just such a perfectly like balanced fight yeah i mean we were talking about this on uh the previous episode on metroid dread again to reference metroid dread but we were talking about what is difficulty and my guest phrased it in terms of challenge versus fairness and it's like fairness is this idea of can i like reasonably react to say the telegraph that the boss is giving me or like, is there an attack that I cannot avoid at all? You know, like back in the day we used to say, Oh, the computer's cheating. Maybe we didn't see the telegraph, but I feel like every boss in hollow Knight yeah. is designed and animated well enough to give you the telegraph either exactly. audibly or visually for what <clears throat> they're about to do. So that you have an opportunity to die. Yeah, if something's unfair, it's because it's it's literally uh, unavo- unavoidable. Or yeah. um, instances of a boss where there's like an RNG component to it. So mm-hmm. um, I don't remember. In Cuphead, there was one boss where I felt like was kind of like that, where one of the attacks, um, the way it would bounce or something was a little random. Like, so you didn't... So it made it a little hard to figure it out. And I feel like stuff like that um, it can still be overcome because you you've learned all of the different permutations of of it of the pattern, anyways. But that stuff yeah. can feel a little unfair. Uh, or um, you know, I think the perfect example of something feeling unfair, but also kind of being part of the game design because they expect you to play a level multiple times, are like in some of the old Mega Man games where there's just like a spike pit, or you just like jump to a new platform and you're all like you automatically die because you didn't know. Like it, something is off screen. If something off screen kills you, that's unfair. Or, right. or even um, when you play like the classic classic Ninja Gaiden games, uh, when like you just move slightly out of screen and an enemy respawns, that feels unfair because you're like, I, it's just coming back every time. It's stupid. Yeah. Right. 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 It's 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 whatever you can't reasonably predict. Seems like is the core foundation of difficulty versus unfairness yeah predict or react to because sometimes you'll know something's happening but you you know there's literally nothing that you can do about it um yeah and and i don't think hollow knight ever falls into that i think all of the boss fights are, are are very fair and not only that um 
but because it's a you know it essentially has kind of those i don't want to say rpg mechanics but they're not um because you can customize your character with the charms there's a lot of different strategies um and and i guess kind of uh little shortcuts to approach boss fights with um which i think makes things feel even more fair because if you're having trouble avoiding an attack you can use uh whatever the charm is that would make a little reflector around you you know what i'm saying you can right if you're if you're having difficulty with one part of a fight or you can't reach the boss well uh maybe i could use the charm that makes my nail longer like there's there's strategies that you can invoke just on the the build i guess you could say that your character has which would make the game easier or if not easier than um more suited to how you are playing you know yeah yeah though you can kind of bolster your defenses and offenses with player agency and any game that gives you more player agency in my opinion is good on behalf of bifrost bridge studios let me thank you for making the success of the Gaia Seed Kickstarter a reality. Having reached its goals, Bifrost, a transmedia graphic novel and conceptual design studio focused on autism and artificial intelligence, now sets its sights on the next chapter in the Gaia Seed universe. For more information on this budding narrative and how to empower young voices, you'll want to follow at StudiosBy on Twitter and visit patreon.com forward slash Bifrost Bridge Studios. Don't miss the link in the description below. Uh, but I see it, and I think Faxanadu is the clearest um, example, <laughs> I guess. Or, or it's a game that I thought about uh, without them ever saying, without ever reading that quote. It's the game I thought about when I started playing this, and that's just a lot of it's just because of the setting. You're in a giant tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like an action RPG. Uh, um, I feel like Faxanadu feels more like a traditional action RPG in, in more ways than this game does, but I can definitely mm-hmm. feel that influence. Um, same with Zelda 2 with, I guess, the movements and stuff, but um, I mean, I, I feel much less. Zelda, I feel like people bring about Zelda 2 as an influence a lot, and it's just because you can stab up and down. Because that game is so <laughs> unique. Um, just because yeah. it has that like Dragon Quest style overworld map, and like there's, right. there are very few games that I feel like really feel like Zelda two. Um, but yeah. sure, if you want to say that's your influence, go ahead, and knock yourself out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Metroid's I mean, obvious. Um, oh, for sure. I think you know there's there's no telling specifically what traits were the most inspirational in these, unless they reveal that. So like with Mega Man. Uh, Mega Man's, you know, like a run and gun kind of thing, uh, shooting and jumping. And there's not really a whole ton of using ammunition in Hollow Knight, although you have the spells. Right. Um, but it's definitely not at the level of. No, if anything, it feels ability. more like the Castlevania lineage of the Metroidvania games, right? Where, where you have spells and you have equipment. Like, which wasn't mentioned as one of their uh, influences, but that's what it feels more like Symphony of the Night than it feels like Super Metroid in a variety of ways. <laughs> like, yeah. if we're if yeah. we're being honest, um, yeah. Which makes you wonder. I mean, nobody's played everything. I wonder if they've played. I'm sure they have. Yeah, but <laughs> to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe that I've just I like I'm playing Simon's Quest for the first time, like right now. Yeah, uh, and I'm kind of blown away that I'm like, oh, okay, this is Metroidvania. That's where they got the idea from. It's like, yeah, yeah, people. Um, <laughs> so I, I feel like people try to 
say that uh, Symphony of the Night was the, um, uh, you know, kind of the origin of that style of Castlevania game, but it's it's really Vampire Killer um, on the MSX, like from the very beginning, you know, um, that was, it had those elements of exploration and getting keys and doing this and getting items. Um, and Vampire Killer came out the same year, uh, 87, as the NES game. It just went in a different path. And then they kind of uh, combined both approaches a little bit with Simon's Quest, which Simon's Quest, I feel like, um, interesting that you're playing it now. I feel like it was on the verge of kind of being a great game, but it just, it didn't have... Yeah it didn't have the polish. Like I, I, I think if you had, uh, if they had remade that game at some point, it could have been really special. I, I still like it a lot, but I think a lot of my like for it is the nostalgia. Um, because so, uh, Nantendrix and I from uh, source gaming, we, we have a podcast series where we just, you know, both of us picked a bunch of retro games that either we haven't played in a long time or have never played. And then we just talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a little bit, similar to what we're doing now, but I think we, we break down more of, you know, the plot and the mechanics and, and things like that a little bit more in detail. Um, and a lot of these 8-bit games, and I, I feel like I guess when I was a kid playing them, you have more time so you don't realize it. But you go mm. back and you play something like Crystallis, and if you want to play that without a guide, like, mm. it's just everything's so obtuse, you know? It's hard, yeah. Yeah, because they don't, yeah. They, they don't hold your hand, but it's not even in a way where, because I, I, I kind of dislike the protracted and prolonged uh, uh, tutorials in a lot of modern games. I like I like games where I can just kind of get it in play, like Hollow Knight. Start playing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's times where it's just all like, oh, I have to talk to this particular shopkeeper three times and pick the same uh, the same option every three times. And then on the fourth time, he'll say something else. In this town full yeah. of people. And it's like, how was I supposed to know that unless I'm a bored 10-year-old kid that's going to continuously try to do it or I have a guide? And that was something like we, we played the original Fantasy Star, which I think is a, a great game, um, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the original Fantasy Star holds up so much better than the original Final Fantasy. Um, and I will, Oof, I will, yeah. I will fight people <laughs> if they say anything different. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, Final Fantasy went straight up broken. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, um, I can't argue with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, like it had those things in it where it's all like, how am I supposed to know that unless I, you know? And it's be- and right. I feel like they made it like that because they there was only so many games and so much room on the game, so they they made them either very hard or very confusing to make to give kids more playtime with the games because right. you know a lot of these games you brought up jaws if you know what you're doing in jaws you can beat that game like in 30 minutes <laughs> yeah it's short it is yeah. super short yeah but if you don't yeah. then you know like, when i was a kid i would play that game over and over again and never get anywhere <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly i mean i read a quote recently and i can't get it verbatim it's off the top of my head uh, one of the developers of Simon's Quest saying that the NPCs in that game straight up lie. Yeah. On top of bad translation, uh, <laughs> rather bad translation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like, you know, what you mentioned earlier. If they had remade that game, say for Super Nintendo and yeah. it's Super Simon's Quest and just given it a better translation uh, and NPCs that don't lie to your face, it might have been more playable without the yeah. using a guide. What's using a guide now? is a completely different experience. Of course, of course. And um, I remember the only reason I beat that game as a kid is I had a VHS of just like tips and tricks for games and it told me about the kneeling down for the tornado 
thing, which yeah. I would have never, I would have never known. And that's <laughs> no, how I beat yeah. that game as a kid. Um, yeah, there's no way. But yeah, and I mean, I don't want to harp on Simon's Quest. We're talking about Hollow Knight, but uh, I, I think that um, there. So once again, ROM hacks. There's ROM hacks that do a couple things. Uh, add a map. Uh, fix the translation, and there's some that also improve the boss battles. And I think those are just those three things make it a much better experience. It's all it really needed, because uh, I think the boss battles in that game are hilarious. I don't know how far are you in that game right now. Uh, I think I just finished Brahms Castle, where there was like a Grim Reaper boss there. Yes, and, and did you notice you can just walk to the next door and you don't have to? Fight yeah, him? you just walk right under. Right, <laughs> and uh, both of the bosses of the game, uh, Camilla. Um, who cries her bloody tears and the Grim Reaper. And then, and then Dracula as well, I guess slight spoilers. It's just like a thing flying around a room, shooting random projectiles at you um, in almost an unfair way, because you can just uh, nuke them with the right items and not have to worry about it. Um, but like, because of the limited movement in that game, like you can't really avoid things if you're, if you're mm. trying to play aggressively, it's, it's kind of silly. Um, yeah, but I mean, there, I was harping on that. Yeah, that last time <laughs> there's there's limitations to those. Yeah, that's another one that um, I would recommend Rob Hacks for. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying that out loud. I don't know, uh, but I think <laughs> I think it creates a, a better experience. Also, what were we even talking about? I was talking about facts and to do for that question, but did we move on at some point? <laughs> well, no, we, we we went back to the NES games, but I think that uh, you know as far as what specifically they drew inspiration oh, from, that's from right, those right, games, right. there's quite a, there's quite a few, but to go back to hollow Knight, uh, a question here from Summerfelt R who said, I love this game. Everyone comes across this game by accident because of how it looks interesting. Uh, but what were your initial thoughts going into the game, seeing the cartoon aesthetic meet the brutal gameplay? So, a combination of what can kind of look, I guess a little cutesy, um, with something that borders a little more difficulty. I mean, I think we touched upon it a little bit already on the art style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, cause I don't think of the game as as cutesy. I understand what they're saying. It's it's cartoony. It's minimalistic. Right. But some of the I think the juxtaposition is that actually some of the bugs actually legitimately look creepy and weird, and and, right. and, and everything has such a dark tone, and the music yeah. makes it you know, so like melancholy and somber and, and sad that I, I, I don't, I don't feel like it, it's, and also I don't feel like the gameplay out of the, right out of the gates is that brutal. Um, to be honest no, with you, yeah. I, I think unless you get like horribly lost, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, so. um, and by the time the gameplay catches up to that, you're already so, um, invested in the world that I don't, I don't think it matters. Um, hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think the art style in general and the the level and attention to detail. Um, I don't. What is the part of the map called with the the spiders? I don't remember anymore. Oh my goodness, deep nest um, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I love watching like in front of the screen, right? Because you're looking at it. You know, as a shadow box, three dimensionally, you see the spiders crawling in the background and in the foreground. That's amazing. Yes, it's so yeah, good. It those amazing. details. Yeah, um, I think the art style fits really well, and it's cartoony, but it's not. 
I guess it's never silly. So I don't think it ever, yeah. you know, I mean, there's some characters that look, I mean, I get it. Like, uh, what's her name? Millimel, the banker, which is one of my favorite things yeah. in the game. Right. Yeah. She looks like a little old lady. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I, I get what you're saying by the cartoony art style. Um, right. But I think it just fits the game so well that I, it never looks out of place. And it's, it, yeah. Um, and like I said, I, 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 I don't think things have to be super realistic to be hard. You know, we were just talking about right. Cuphead. Come on. <laughs> right. No, and I don't think that there's a juxt. I won't. Well, I don't want to use the term. Juxtaposition. I don't think that there's a contradiction here between something that looks lighthearted or cartoonish or or childish in any sense with what it requires a lot of, you know, precision and reflexes and all that sort of thing in order to play. So I think, yeah, I think to, to echo your statements, uh, it feels like it, it just works uh, so well together that it's a perfectly oiled machine. Uh, but getting into Hollow Knight, uh, we had a couple questions as far as like what piece of advice, maybe just so we can move on to lore here. What piece of advice would you give folks like these uh, on how to enter the game, how to enjoy Hollow Knight? So, for example, the the Immer Strain said, what's a good piece of advice for someone starting this game for the first time? And then Carrie 86 said, do you have any tips to survive until the end? So, I mean, we're not doing a walkthrough here, obviously. Yeah, neither of us, I think, are experts on this game. I, we, no, but no, we, no. We have no, beaten no, it. So. Uh, yes. I, I think both of us more than once. So. <laughs> I actually just finished a Steel Soul run. Uh, I meant to mention that earlier. That's very brave of you. I haven't done that either. <laughs> it was uh, it was actually it changed the di- the dynamic of the game in an interesting way in that you're seeking out difficult boss fights early on in order to unlock these very useful upgrades early on, uh-huh. and then you kind of coast through mid game, and then it gets really tough toward the end there. But I failed three times, and Steel Soul mode is a permadeath mode. So if yeah. you die, you lose your save. Uh, but a lot of fun. I would recommend it to somebody who's played the game more than once um, to at least try it and see how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's that's not a uh, game mode. I think that's for everybody. Uh, but for people no. that want that extra challenge, it's it's something. I I, I don't know. I, uh, I I think if I if I did that and then I died like on the radiant fight, I would. Uh, be <laughs> Yeah. The thing is, if you've got one or two hits left, you know, some bosses can hit you for two hits. Uh, you just pause and restart your game. Oh, that's um, that's so true. But there's that, not a that's, huge that's a, risk. That's there. against the spirit of the mode, though. Right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I'm known for, it's it's for being against the spirit of things. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I replied to this tweet with that uh, too. Um, there's there's a couple things. One is be patient. Two, if you lose all of your stuff, um, the geos in this game are pretty easy to get. So don't be distraught that you can't go back and get your the, the money you lost because you got lost somewhere and you just can't get back to it. Um, I mean, obviously try to, to get your resources back if you lose them from a death, but don't. It's not the end of the world. Um, yeah. And so a lot of people have issues, I feel like, with the fact that there's no map. And uh, I get it. I'm actually pretty good at navigating 2D games. Um, But like we talked about Dark Souls earlier. I kind of hate Dark Souls games because they don't have a map and I'm terrible at 3D navigation. Just like in real life, like I'll drive someplace and my wife is like, I don't, how, how do you get so, you've lived here your entire life. So I'm like, I don't know, man. I just, 
<laughs> like how happens. long it just happens. <laughs> um, and I feel like that happens to me in 3D games. And 2D games, I don't know, maybe just because that's, you know, what I cut my teeth on as a kid. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good at, at figuring it out. But uh, something you might not know, because I know, so when every, every time you get into a new area, you uh, don't have a map and it's not like an auto-generating map, like uh, Metroid or Symphony of the Night, right? Mm. So until you get a map, and then until you actually sit down on a on a bench, you're not going to see where you're going. So your first priority is probably going to be trying to find a map so that I can explore this area and know where I've already been. Um, a lot of people, I, I think when they first start playing, uh, don't realize that there are leaves, uh, like loose leaf pieces of paper, I guess is what they are, like little sheets of paper. Mm-hmm. And there's a trail, and they're usually fairly easy to find, and then you can just follow that to the map maker to buy your map. So that's my biggest thing is like when you get into a new area, look for those uh, papers. And then uh, once you see it, go straight there and, and get get it. So, yeah, there you go. Otherwise, you're fighting against uh, getting lost. And that's that's a difficult thing for sure. Uh, I've known quite a few people who have given up on Metroidvania style games uh, because they got lost. But uh, stick with it, folks. I mean, it's a longish experience, but uh, definitely one that's, I think, worth having for sure. Uh, Part of that experience, though, is the lore. Like we suggested earlier, uh, the game doesn't really sit you down and say, all right, here's a cutscene where a character will literally tell you, you know, the cliff notes for the entire narrative. Uh, Rather, you kind of piece together the history of this ruined world, as David so uh, put it so well. Um, the premise seems to be that you're returning to or and exploring this uh, this ruined uh, civilization underground of bugs. Uh, when I first played it, I actually thought it was some kind of bug afterlife. And I think I thought that for like the majority of the experience, really. Um, it, what actually is going on is something that I don't really want to spoil on this show, even though this is a spoilers show. I think it's something that's that's worth you figuring out for yourself. Yeah. If you've not played this yet. Or even um, if you have and you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, no, that's that's a very good point um, to figure out that history and what exactly is the point of the night and who Hollow Knight is. And, and like you mentioned the radiance earlier, all that the Pale King. All those things is like piecing together, you know, a thousand year old puzzle. And yeah. It's, it's really fun. I, I will say without any major spoilers um, that I think um, the use of both the void and the radiance um, and their roles in the story is interesting. And, you know, because uh, I feel like so, so often the radiance, you know, you, you think of, of light as being good. And darkness is being bad. And the truth is in the story, neither are either, you know, (laughs) they're just, they're just, I'm glad you said that. I know. I'm glad you said that. Cause there was a point in this game where I was like, okay, so light is evil. Darkness is good. But then going further, I was like, it's not, it's not that black and white. It is a very realistic world despite its appearance in that there's no pure good and no pure evil. It's just a bunch of, of different kind of groups of things uh, fighting this long war against each other. And there are victims in between. 
uh, which I think makes it really fascinating. Yeah. Somebody, they, they also ask, is Hornet void? Um, I will touch on this one. I will. I, I, will I know you don't want to talk about too much about spoilers, but no, no, yeah. But I'm pretty sure, and I don't know. Remember a lot of the the lore from this, but I'm pretty sure that she. Well, first of all, she's a she, and all of the uh, all of the vessels. Um, don't want to get too many spoilers, but the the vessels are all non gendered and look exactly the same. So she's not right. a vessel. Um, right. So she's a natural born child, and I'm pretty sure there was something that indicated that she was actually the daughter of the um, the White King. That's what he's called? Yeah, the Pale King. Pale yes. King. And yes. uh, whatever the name is of the Spider Queen. Uh, as her rock or something like that. Yeah. I just played it. So, like, <laughs> but yeah, I can't remember. I'm pretty, and I'm, that's why she has the silk powers, because she's part freaking spider. Right, right, right. That's right, why right, she, right. she has that. So yeah, she was a natural born child of... Uh, so yeah, no, she's, she's not void. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's, that's how I would have answered it as well. I yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah. Perfect, yeah. Um, I don't know about some of the endings. Uh, I guess there, there, there are some endings where I guess maybe she becomes, I don't know. Uh, I don't, re- I don't recall that well. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, there are multiple endings. Yeah. So yeah. What exactly winds, winds up being canon, but you do, you meet her mother. Uh, you you learn about you know the specific agree- agreement that resulted in her conception. Uh, you also meet the white lady who was the pale king's wife as well. Um, so there's a lot of history again going on here. That question was from Oops Platforming, so thanks for that one. Um, and a question here from Didalis09. How difficult was it to weave the narrative in a game focused on exploration? This is a question that is interesting to me because I've gone on record as saying um, that the open world format is a different and difficult format to tell a narrative in. So I've played some games where it's like they just drop you in a vast setting. Breath of the Wild. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah. Breath of the Wild are kind of like this, like parallel of each other. Right. But where it's like, hey, go do stuff. But how do you tell a story? with that well hor- horizon the Zero. wild uh, well okay go ahead sorry <laughs> oh no that's all right i was just gonna say i think breath of the wild kind of solves that problem by uh well solves the problem for itself decides on what to do for itself by backloading all almost all of its stuff as in terms of story whereas horizon zero dawn takes the route of you pick up these little wikipedia articles throughout the whole game and there are cutscenes as you move through that kind of explain what's happening. Uh, but I'm not sure that either really avoid shooting themselves in the foot with the fact that you can spend a hundred hours doing menial tasks and that'll grind the pace of the story to an absolute halt. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's a, hasn't that been the problem with Western RPGs since uh, the nineties, really you play an elder scrolls game, you play Skyrim or whatever. And there's so much to do that there is a central narrative, but there's not uh, a lot driving you to follow that narrative. So they fall Mm. into this trap of, you know, you know, any sandbox game, grand theft auto, like who cares about the story? Sure. You can follow the story, (laughs) but that's not what you're doing. You don't have that, that impetus to, uh, to, to move forward on, on a specific narrative path. Um, I think for open world games, um, and, and like I said, I think Metroid Prime is, is a good <clears throat> comparison because what 
the story of this game isn't so much story as it's world building. You know, that's what it is, is that through uh, environmental cues and, and things that you find, you unravel for yourself this mystery of what happened in this world and what this world is. And that happens to tie into you as a protagonist. Um, and that's why it works. That, that's why it works in particular for this game, because the story of the world is intricately tied to you as the knight. If you were yeah. if you were playing as another character, it, that wouldn't have worked. Right, you wouldn't have gone down to areas and seen vessels and this or that, and there wouldn't have been a personal connection to it. So um, I'll say the way that Hollow Knight did it, and I think it worked really well, is by using environmental storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, by having the lore be something that you have to look into, and by having the protagonist tie deeply into the world building and the lore itself. So the story of the protagonist is the story of Hollowness, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that's, that's it. I, I think it's, that's a good approach. I don't think that would work for every game though. I don't think it, it does. I, I think every game has to find its own solution to that. But I think in right. general, having, um, having your storytelling being through world building works, but it makes it hard to tell a very like grandiose type of story. Right. Uh, and if scattered throughout Hallow Nest are all of these, you know, little artifacts that give you kind of very cryptic and poetic um, statements about the past. And then you encounter these dream bosses as well that'll, you know, have all this cryptic dialogue. But I think, you you know, what is more important than that, I think that's the superficial, let me say, element of how Hollow Knight conveys its story and its world. But I think this game would have failed if the entire world was just miscellaneous tunnels. But the fact that they're like, this is the city of tears. This is the Royal waterways. This is the ancient basin. This is the green path. You can kind of begin to piece together the history of the world from the character of the different. Right. And for the NPCs, there's a great use of NPCs. You you, you talk about the city of tears. Uh, I don't know the character's name, but the one survivor, the, uh, the, the woman that's kind of crazy, the, uh, aristocratic. Oh, and the pleasure house. Oh yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I can't remember the name of that character either, but very haunting. Yeah. You know, to be kind of like laughing that is, there are some very kind of sadistic characters in this game. It's a dark game. I mean, but somebody who is like, you know, so opulent, they're just like, I'm going to live forever. Everybody else has died and they're just like laughing endlessly about that. Right. Well, (laughs) because these these bugs don't have, uh, you know, the the, the general mindset of of a bug, of a beast anymore. They've created this civilization. Right. And what becomes important to them stays important. And you see that in the, you know, all of these infected characters. Right. Um, that are living in what was once this, you know, giant opulent city. And they're still hoarding resources. And they're still, even even though they've lost their minds, they're essentially zombies, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. they still are guarding their possessions because that was, at the, till the very end, what this particular sect of bugs cared about. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, just really briefly here. This is, you know, when I said, um, I initially thought that this was, uh, and a bug afterlife, um, things like what you just mentioned kind of tie into various things that I've read doing religious studies throughout my, my degrees in theology. Um, and one of, one of the bits that really made me think of that was how you said here, 
that they're just kind of repeating sort of the the maximum vice of what they did in real life. So like if this bug was greedy in real life, they're just going to be infinitely greedy like in the city of tears alone in isolation and trapped in madness essentially. There's there's a, there's a piece in ancient literature about outer darkness being weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this concept of gnashing of teeth, of being infinitely unrepentant or being locked within the state of, and I, again, I, like, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm just saying in terms of like just religious literature, this idea of being trapped in a state of pure unrepentance, like a zombie. Well, yeah, I was about to say. It's interesting. Even if you want to move away and, and go, you know, less into the theological and more into just pop culture. I think, yeah. How many times have you seen that in zombie movies where somebody's just repeating the doldrums of their life? They like a zombie that's trying to pump gas or trying to do something yeah. because yeah. we are repetitive creatures. We're creatures of routine that makes us comfortable, right. but right. that also keeps us from growing. So, I, I mean, there's, yeah. that's a whole other discussion. Uh, no, for sure. I mean, I just wanted to bring it up briefly to say that that was one of the elements that made me think bug afterlife. Just the idea of being like your own personal hell is stuck doing the same thing forever. And these bugs live essentially really the ones that are still alive, at least live really tragic locked existences. Like thinking about the white lady, just literally being rooted into her own domain, uh, being unable to move at having prevented herself from having any more children. Um, it's it's really the more you think about hollowness, the darker it gets, I think. So uh, but there, you know, we're touching on characters here for a bit. Do you have like a favorite character in this game? Um, I, really, I really liked Bretta that she had like a, a brush on. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was pretty. <laughs> That's I thought, cute. I thought she was pretty great. Um, I don't know if I, if I have a really favorite favorite character um i'd have to i'd have to think on it because there's so many great ones you know uh right but they're brief exactly they're brief. exactly so there, there's not you know the nail smith is fun you know there are everybody's yeah. you know i like the 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 map maker and his wife uh there's so there's there's a lot of charming little characters um the the dude what's his name quirrell the the sword master yeah. i think he's a, a very cool character it's nice in that, I mean, you feel the isolation in this. In, in the Metroid series, people often talk up how isolated you feel, but you feel the isolation in this. So seeing a familiar face who is not trying to kill you <laughs> in the, in the oh, is it Quill? I can't remember his exact name, but seeing somebody like that, again, kind of makes you feel a little better. And then there's a character like Leg Eater, where you're like, is your name Leg Eater? Yikes. <laughs> Uh, the, um, oh, what's his name? The map maker. <laughs> yes. The, uh, you know, people nice talk about the again. music all the time, but, uh, the, the actual, the actual, um, audio that they use is, is fantastic. And I feel like that gets overlooked a lot in games when people talk about soundtracks and this or that, but knowing when to, and when not to use music, and then also having, uh, the appropriate sound effects, um, adds mm. a lot to atmosphere. I think it really does. I mean, the music here is exquisite. It's it's one of my favorite soundtracks that I own. Um, bought it on vinyl because I was like, this is it's such a yeah. great soundtrack. Yeah. And, um, and um, 
you, you know, you, you keep talking the, the, this kind of isolated, lonely world. And I, there, like I said, there's a lot of comparisons to Dark Souls, and I hate doing that because I, <laughs> but that's what it's like. And even the honestly, even the way that lore that you find out the lore about the world by by piecing it together is very similar. Um, I swear, if you bring me on for any other game at any point, I will not mention Dark Souls once. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, this is one that I think, you know, the comparisons are apt. It was Cornifer, Cornifer the cartographer. I see. I had to look him up. Um, Other, you know, entities that have a lot of character as well are bosses. Um, To touch on a a few bosses here, uh, did you have a favorite boss in the game? Did you have a boss who were like, oh, wow. You mentioned something clicking. Yeah, I told you the Mantis Lord, I think, is where Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, man, that's so good. Um, Yeah. You know who I kind of hated was the Soul Master. I feel like th- that wasn't a fun fight. The big floaty uh, dude. That's yeah. Who's uh, yeah? Like kind of body slams the ground with his magic. And yeah, yeah. I felt yeah. like he wasn't very. That's fun. a tough fight. Yeah. For me. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's something about that fight. Um, I'm trying to think. The the dunk defender is very fun. Just in general. Yeah. Fun uh, energy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Very fun energy. Um, I mean, Grim is a. The go-to answer, right? And I also like uh, Zote, yeah. Zote the Mighty, how he, he changes every time you fight him. Yeah, also also a brilliant fight. Uh, Grim. So, you know, I mentioned it took me three days to beat that fight. It is uh, not just an watching easy fight. a friend. No, and not at all. I mean, just watching a friend play it for the, play this game for the first time, he was streaming it. Uh, he started streaming the Grim fight yesterday and then beat it today. So he beat me by one day. But uh, what a ridiculous, I mean, you fight him the first time. And again, it's a DLC fight. Fine. Uh, you fight him the first time. And you're like, okay, that was hard. And then when you fight him the second time, not only is his, his battle theme amazing. Yes. Not only is like he frightening just as a character, but that fight is legit. One of the hardest boss fights I've ever faced in the 30 odd years of gaming. Yeah, I've done. no, for, for sure. Um, there are some fights maybe in old games that are more frustrating, but that's just because the mechanics in those games aren't as, as good, you know, yeah. as tight. You know, if I'm playing something like, uh, uh, in, uh, well, there, there's a lot of, of old games. Um, I, I'll have to, I'll have to think of it. Uh, in, in Demon Quest, the the last boss not the last boss but the secret boss is is uh awful was that uh the super nintendo game or demon's, demon's, demon's crest demon's crest I'm oh, okay sorry. i got because i was thinking gargoyle's quest was a game boy game yeah i'm like no no no. yeah that's, there you yeah. go sorry that's that one's got some tough stuff going. yeah yeah like that was i i, 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 um, I played it again for the um uh, not for the first time but for the first time in a long time uh last year and the mm-hmm. the hidden boss, that last boss is awful, but it's awful until you figure out how to cheese the mechanics. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like so many yeah. old games are like that. And and this games like this aren't like that. You, you're never cheesing anything. You're just, you know, the, the, the mechanics and the controls are so tight that once right. you once you learn it, you can that that's the best feeling in these types of games, right? Where where like it's just like you, you don't even know what your hands are doing. You're just doing it. <laughs> Right. You're so there in the moment. You're reacting to things in less than a second. So, yeah, with Grimm, until you learn, like, I watched him start it. And then, unfortunately, I missed him beating it, but I saw his 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 attempt 
right before he beat the boss. So I kind of got to see him at both ends. And when he started it, I mean, no, he didn't know what he's facing. And there's no way to dodge everything if you don't know what the telegraphs are. But then day and night, the second day when I came back and saw him doing it, he's dodging all these abilities. It's it's just like your brain cannot help but learn those patterns if you allow it the time to do so. I I, I think uh, Metroid Dread had a really good balance with that, where uh, some of the bosses seemed almost impossible at first, but then it didn't take too long, and you just you just had it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah but Dread, but yeah, Grim's a, a great a great fight, and you know I, I was I guess I was bringing up these older games because, like I said, a lot of the boss fights in older games I feel like feel harder, but it's because you have to. You just have to abuse certain mechanics. And it's wonderful mm-hmm. with a game like this where you never feel that way. You just feel like you you are in the moment and you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, question here from Shadow DX. How would you compare the boss fights in Hollow Knight to those in Cuphead? Now, you mentioned that briefly earlier. After having played Hollow Knight from zero to approximately 110% over the past two weeks, I feel like Cuphead is missing the quote rest of the They're game. They're not the same type Hollow of game Knight's at all, bosses. though. <laughs> They're not the right. same type and of that's game. That's what I was thinking here. He said Hollow Knight's bosses are more fun and give greater variety through charms and strategy. These are things we mentioned. Yeah. And I feel like there's there's an analogy that we could draw here. You you said earlier that it's not necessarily a fair comparison to say here's a Metroidvania and here's another Metroidvania. Here's what one does better than the other when Dread and Hollow Knight have, are designed in two different They have ways. different design philosophies, so you can't... Right, right, right. Like, it's like saying this potato is not the same as this orange. You know, like... I, I, I you're going to eat both of them. Yeah, they're both, they're both <laughs> delicious, the point, right? but like I'm not going to eat yeah, them yeah. for the same purposes, you know? Yeah. Right. So same thing with Hollow Knight and Cuphead. They're both side-scrolling platformers games. But I think that there is a huge, a tremendous difference between the design philosophies of those. So like something I mentioned with Cuphead previously in another show was Cuphead. I was surprised that Cuphead feels like a boss rush. It is essentially. Whereas there is no explorative element in Cuphead. But the thing here's. And that's all of Hollow Knight. But here's here's what I'm going to say about Cuphead. I think if Cuphead is missing, quote unquote, the rest of the game, the rest of the game is an exploration. It's not. It's a more side-scrolling levels. Like they included, like what, like three or four of them. It's just having yeah, way couple. more of those. That, if anything, is what Cuphead would be missing. It wouldn't be anything like Hollow Knight. It would have you know big levels where you know run and gun. Like you're you're playing uh, Gunstar Hero. You're playing Contra. You're playing Metal Slug. Like that's what's missing. It, but argue, right. arguably, I, I wouldn't say so because I think the design philosophy for that before they had anything was just making it a boss rush. Like that's what they, right. they planned on doing. And I think the lack of strategy, now you can switch things out. There's different guns and things. But um, the lack of overall customized, uh, customized options is very deliberate because they want to keep it simple because it's very much reflex uh, skill and pattern memorization based. You know, they don't want people to find different ways to beat this boss. They want people to do the best job possible at beating the boss in the way that you're intended to beat the boss. So the other day I saw an eBay listing for the Earthbound Big Box dubiously graded with a list price of $29,999, one buck shy of thirty dollars 
The retro game aftermarket is in an interesting place. I know these items aren't getting any younger, and they certainly aren't becoming any more common, even as interest and demand for games grows. But if you're one of those people who doesn't have $30,000 friggin' dollars to drop on a single video game, then you gotta check out joypadlad.com, the good guy of retro gaming stores. Finally, an online retailer that doesn't expect you to pay proverbial eBay prices at a proverbial Facebook Marketplace listing. He has new wares and sales coming in all the time, so stop by on the regular. You might find retro games, you might find merchandise, licensed and unlicensed. That's joypadlad.com. Thank me later. Cuphead. I would love a Cuphead Metroidvania. I, I would, I would. Um, but I don't think every game needs to be a Metroidvania. Did, no, did he, no, no. Did he play Messenger? I did not, unfortunately. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It. So maybe we can, I'm not going to really bring much up on that. But there's a point in the game where it goes from being kind of level-based to being more exploration-based. And that's, mm-hmm. that's fine and it adds lengths to the game and everything, but I don't feel like it was needed. I think sometimes le- right. games can just be, level-based games like um there's almost an oversaturation and metroid type games have been pretty much since i was a kid probably my favorite genre of a game you know ever since i played games like metroid and faxanadu and blaster master dude blaster master is really underrated if you ever want to talk about all the blaster master games i'll be on for that (laughs) um and there's a lot there's a lot of like most of them aren't good but there's a lot of blaster master games um but like not everything needs to be these big you know exploration based games i think there's Mm -hmm. definitely room in the world to to play a game where you're just going from level to level and beating a boss and having platforming challenges and i know metroidvanias in recent years have implemented more tough platforming sections Mm -hmm. i mean this game has a a section where it's where it's essentially super meat boy all of a sudden right (laughs) yeah um and you know i brought up ori before and those games have some crazy platforming and uh uh, kind of like these these uh, chase sections in them as well. Um, but that being said, like sometimes you just want to play a game that you can just go through and, and, and play the levels and, and there's a joy in that. That being said, yeah. I, I, I think uh, I think with Cuphead, I think I would prefer, prefer something more like Mega Man X style where you mm-hmm. have levels and maybe you can revisit them and find different paths in the levels and do different things like that, but not have like a full open world type of game, you know? Right. Right. I think that, and I, I know shadow DX is not saying this, uh, but I think that there's a general kind of unspoken sentiment that the, the levels based kind of gameplay structure of yesteryear is just that, that it's outdated And that something is better if it's larger nowadays because, you know, we have more space now available for games and games can be more technologically advanced. So having more space equals better. But I think then at that point, you're starting to look at something that I definitely encountered over the past year, which is people assuming that a genre or subgenre is automatically better than than other games from another category. Okay, so at this point, like... At this point, Shovel Knight's a, an old game. It's kind of weird to say that, but it's what, like seven, eight years old right now? <laughs> that feels, that's crazy. Wow. But Yeah, that is crazy. But that game is, I guess, you could still say a recent-ish indie game that was level-based and people loved it. Nobody said, man, I would love 
uh, Shovel Knight so much more <laughs> if, right. if I could explore. No, because if you yeah, have yeah. if you have wealth, I would say it's a difference between some of those Mega Man Zero games, you know, and then like Mega Man X. If you have a well-designed level, then I, I feel there's tighter design and control within that level and what the player can do in that level than in an open, than in a Metroidvania style game. So right. I, I think there's things that you can do in those games that it's very difficult to do well in a Metroidvania. Now you can do it. Like I said, they've gotten better at implementing things like platforming. But it's not quite at the same level, I feel like, you know, you do something like, you know, I brought, I compared it to Super Meat Boy, like Super Meat Boy, like that, that's a game that wouldn't be better if it was a Metroidvania, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we've all played open world games where it feels like it's so open that there's nothing yeah. there. Yeah. So I think that eventually we'll have to reach a point of... I, How big can a game get? I think this, where... I think genres are different. Genres exist for different reasons, and that's fine. And you don't right. have to. You don't have to always force a square peg into a round hole, man. Sometimes the game is, you know, I, I don't want to see a Mario Metroidvania. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'd play it, but I'm not. I mean, saying I would. That I would like, play it for that reason. Yeah, is what I mean. You know what? Yeah, I mean? yeah. Well, let me let me unpack that just a, a teensy bit. Okay, okay. Because uh, if if tomorrow they were like, "Hey, we're making a Mario Metroidvania," I'd be like, "Hey, that's cool." I me too, but I wouldn't play that in. Ex- uh, but I wouldn't want that. Um, and it's kind of hard to say that because they kind of ran two D Mario into the ground when it used to be such an innovative thing. <laughs> uh, but you don't want that, um, you know, in lieu of you know replacing yes. classic mario yes games. yeah you're saying in exclusion of exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say i wouldn't want to see it in exclusion of you know what they could be doing with 2D because this, this happened you know what like 20 years ago where where everyone just assumed 2d games were were, were over right you know mm-hmm. <laughs> everything had to be 3d and you know uh mario 64 is better than anything they could do than you know super mario world because it's 3d you know right right um, right that's the 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 over uh, there's this is not a word over novelitizing uh, <laughs> a, a recent tech advance to where it's like this yeah. is now the end all be all. But as time marches on, you kind of see that there's still room for innovation and exploration of past. Yeah. And, and, and once again, I, I, I want to reiterate that uh, Metroidvanias are probably my favorite types of games and we're living in a great uh you know era for this genre of games but just because it's my you know my favorite you know i i really love ice cream i don't want to eat ice cream for every meal and every day yeah yeah (laughs) and and, and i don't look at you know even even if we're talking desserts i don't look at you know a cake and be like ah why isn't this an ice cream this would be better as an ice cream you know what i mean yeah no no, i totally get you and before we move on into regions here to, to, to talk about atmosphere just a teens and then we'll we'll start to wrap things up um there's a similar idea that I have that I encounter a lot talking to folks about uh, games that can get remakes. So every once in a while, people will be like, oh, man, remake Chrono Trigger. And I'll just be like, why? Why? I mean, like, you could play it just now perfectly fine. What would you fix in Chrono Trigger that would require See, a remake? I, I, this is where I disagree with you. And I think we've, we've gotten into it a little bit on Twitter in that if, if somebody wants to remake a game, um. I mean, fine, man. It's not going to detract from my enjoyment of the original game, you know? Oh, for sure. So, I mean, I come from a camp where you get one legacy. 
And what that legacy is will be defined by the things that come down the road. So the original obvious, I, I mean, I encounter that argument constantly, like people saying the original always exists. I don't believe like when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out that it wiped the original copy out of existence from 1997. Nobody could believe that. But you only get one legacy. And what that legacy is defined by will be the whole lineage of things. But what I re- what I really want to say, though, with the Chrono Trigger thing, I don't want to get into like... I, I mean, I, I could get know. into it with you because I think reinvention is important for uh, an intellectual property to um, really become not part part of just the zeitgeist, but part of kind of our our continued culture. Because something like, you know, how many times have they redone Batman? And it doesn't lessen <laughs> Batman. Do you know what I'm saying? Or, right. you know, something like Robin Hood or King Arthur. Right. Because people well, let keep... Let me ask you... Yeah. Let me ask you a fundamental question, though. Do you think that... Two questions. Well, two-part question. Okay. Do you think that certain IPs lend themselves towards reinvention more yes. than others? And then do you believe that certain IPs do not need to be like, it's just so it's just a one and done story. I, I mean, I, I agree with that, but if somebody wanted to take, and this is where you also get into the part of, well, why reinvent and not just create a new IP. Correct. But uh-huh. if somebody wants to take a parallel version of Chrono Trigger, right. And they're like, we want to take some of the characters and some of the ideas and, and we're not calling it a remake, but it's a reinvention of it. Now the first version of that, people will be like, this is awful. It ruined this character, it ruined this character, it ruined that character. But then when the next person does that, they'll be like, okay, I get it. And then after that, people will go back to the first reinvention and be like, oh, but I actually really liked this one. And I, I, that's, I, that's, that's Batman. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. So. And I think, right. I, I think that's fine because I think there's some kind of, uh, there's some elements that, that people can reuse and, they don't have oh to. sure and there's absolutely I, been elements that have been reused I, I, I just absolutely. i just think that there needs to be um a reason that people want to do it and not just right. remake the same exact game but add a new area that doesn't work or right. at remake the game but just with uh completely new graphics i, I don't think there's yeah. a need for that exactly so <laughs> although what, i wouldn't mind like uh you know the 2d hd remaster or something like that i think okay that was originally what i was going to mention too (laughs) the the idea of to me um you know i i I hear it quite a bit uh why don't they remake chrono trigger and people will say slap i don't know why they use slap as the verb but slap why don't they remake chrono trigger and just slap the octopath look on it to me i don't mind that i don't think it's well i think i think it's an excellent perspective i mean let me let me phrase it out i think octopath is a beautiful game but i think it cheapens it to just slap it on everything i think it's beautiful because it's unique yeah i don't think it's beautiful because i want to again your ice cream comment david (laughs) there it is right there you love metroidvania i love chrono trigger but i love chrono trigger because it's special i don't want to see it everywhere i you love metroidvania because metroidvania is distinct somebody loves batman 66 because adam west's portrayal of batman in that era is distinct Mm -hmm. whereas 
eventually get into the things with knockoffs and things like that. Yeah. Very few people start to like those things because I, IP at that is such point, a, you lose the familiarity. IP, IP and IP rights and IP retention is such an interesting thing because... Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, because like, you know, Disney should have known Mickey Mouse uh, for in perpetuity. <laughs> but at the same time, like, do I just want everybody in the world to be able to make official Mickey Mouse... <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's no because then it gets watered down. Yeah. Have you seen Mickey Mouse from China? Like Chinese knockoffs? Yeah. Mickey Mouse like it, it's no. it, it's um, it can be a conundrum. But uh, right. There, there there's definitely you know pros and cons to to everything. But I I, I don't I don't mind it. Um, I, I just I don't know about full 3D remakes. It just seems unnecessary um thank you and that's really my fundamental but, point but i think i think with chrono trigger in particular if you really wanted to kind of reimagine it and and, and build upon it and, and and you know and you state that like that's probably my biggest issue with oh Final my Fantasy goodness VII, uh, thank you it, 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 david yeah. thank you <laughs> you have to be can't so you said reimagining you have to be candid that this is a reimagining we're not just you know porting chrono trigger we're not just remaking Chrono Trigger. Like the argument with FF7R is we're fundamentally remaking the timeline into something completely different. Right. So that's not the I, I, I think Square Enix was I think Square Enix was disingenuous with uh Final Fantasy VII remake. Absolutely. For a yeah. few reasons. <laughs> not only that, but like they never said. I remember on a Good Morning Source Gaming, uh, myself and, and Colin Brown, who's also in Source Gaming, we went off on it. And this was before the game came out, and we knew anything about the story even. <clears throat> we're like they are not calling this Final Fantasy remake part one. And that's oh, that's very yeah. much on purpose because they're just trying to bring yeah. people in who know Final Fantasy, who see it, who maybe have played it, and that this is a complete experience. And it's not. Yeah. You know? And consider yeah. everything, almost everything they showed you in early footage. I don't want to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Right? <laughs> Blood boiling. But everything they showed you in the early footage was stuff from the original game. So that that's your touch point. That's the marketing that yeah. they ran with it. And then you play the game and you realize the latter half of the game is completely foreign to the original game. Almost. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so back to. Uh, back, <laughs> let me do the host thing and circle us back. So all I'm saying here is that I agree with you in that if there's a remake, there better be a dang good reason for that. remake. Yeah. The thing with Chrono Trigger, it's a product of it's a passion product. That's a collection of unique talents. Yuji Hori, Akira Toriyama, uh, and Hironobu Sakaguchi working together. How do you remake we, that well, we talked about, in that same we, collaborative spirit? We, we talked about uh, the auteurness of, of games before, and I think that's a good example of it. Um, but I feel like there's a lot you could tell in... Man, I don't want to talk about like I, I love talking about Chrono Trigger, but we have we have other things to talk about. I don't want to, right, I don't right. want to get sidetracked. But um, I feel like you look at Chrono Cross, right? Yeah. And they took kind of that world and did something super different with it, and it's because that team is uh, you know Chrono Cross is Monolith Soft, right? <laughs> sure. No, well, I, like I, it's I, the same team that did Xenogear that eventually became that. So they oh, okay. So it's the same is the, the internal team inside Square Enix that did. Uh, Xeno Gears also did Chrono Cross, and then they they, yeah, they like Kato writing, yeah, writing. yeah, yeah, and they eventually yeah. you know separated and became Monolith. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's kind of uh, um, 
you know, may, maybe not a one-to-one, like it's not exactly monolith soft, you know, uh, maybe a little reductive saying it's monolith soft, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And I feel like you, you, you kind of get that feel with some of the writing and some of the situations and the way things are. Uh, but I love Chrono Cross. I don't like it as much as Chrono Trigger, but I think Chrono Cross is a good game. And I think the world and rules of Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger lend themselves, right? Because we've already done time travel and we've done some parallel dimensions. To being able to rewrite that story and recontextualize that story and mm-hmm. view that story in many, many ways. Like, they could completely... Like, the plot from Final Fantasy VII, that would make more sense if you're doing something with Chrono Trigger, to be honest with you, right? Oh, for sure. As as a remake, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Now, here's a question yeah. for you. Uh, so, I mean, let me lead into it. Uh, Chrono Cross, I've read the developers said, don't. we didn't think of it as a sequel. And it kind of comes off as, like, this, this spin-off-ish type thing in relation to trigger whatever that exact thing is its connection with trigger isn't concrete necessarily but you can totally see the seeds of the cause and effect theme in trigger pushing off into right and, there, and, there, and there's some story touch points too that tie exactly directly in. but you don't even no. know if that's our but that's that's the magic of it you don't even know if that's our chrono and our our moral, right you know? for sure yeah, yeah 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 because dimensions. now let me ask you though <laughs> imagine if they called chrono cross Chrono Trigger remake. How would you have felt? Well, yes, but let's stop bagging on Final Fantasy VII remake. No, it's not. It's not a bag on. I'm just no, no. I'm agreeing with you in that you have to call it what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, obviously, yeah. it's not. You know, I, no. I think even calling it a sequel. <laughs> I think the fact that they advertised it as a sequel was even a little disingenuous, which was right. Uh, it's, well, considering it, their statements, it, yeah. Isn't it weird when you see the little chibi versions of the characters? Like, yeah, that's so weird because I think it was to match more match their sprites, but like nobody in that Come universe on. is like that. It's I don't know. That was no. weird. That was, that was weird. It is weird. Uh, oh, well, I have to talk about all that. Okay, let, hey, Hollow Knight. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, to to summarize that section because I am not cutting that out. That's gold right there. Uh, to summarize that all up, um. I think that we really see eye to eye more than it seems like we do on Twitter. Um, you might be more open to a remake of Chrono Trigger, but I think that were they to do a remake of Chrono Trigger, that we would both want to see it done for specific reasons, presented in the right way, and without just you know even something even if the re- even if the reason something. for it was a corporate mandate, uh-huh. I would hope that the people involved were a talented and and be passionate about the project even if they were going to do something completely different because i i think that's what that's what matters is that the people that are involved have a respect for the original source and then have a passion to try to do something of their own that comes that can come across or it cannot come across for sure yeah uh that that passion's got to be there uh speaking of passion Atmosphere regions in Final or not Final Fantasy. <laughs> I can't get past it. And Hollow Knight, uh, Divine Zeranus said, "What is it that makes Hollow Knight's atmosphere special? Atmosphere is something that is brought up for a lot of Metroidvanias, mostly Super Metroid. I think Hollow Knight is one of the modern games that takes a lot of care in the setting of where it takes from." Uh, and then a question here from Chrysolite Stone. I have a statement followed by a question. Actually, I only tried this game for a short while. 
when I still had a PS plus the map seemed very vague from what I remember. So I felt a bit lost on top of having so much open area already at the beginning. Am I missing something or get good? Uh, I think it has to do really with the explorative nature. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not super into Metroidvanias, um, you know, that, that's the thing too, is like, you know, we're, we're reading these people's questions, but we're not having a conversation with them. So I can't ask what his history with the genre is. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes it yeah. difficult. Um, but I guess, uh, I think let's start with the atmosphere question, <clears throat> but I think the atmosphere is, um, and we touched upon this. First of all, the artwork, um, is, is phenomenal. The music is, is great. I think the music actually elevates it beyond the art. Um, and the sound design, man, like, I think they do really well with the sound design. It, it really, um, uh, helps set the tone of, of everything. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's important when you're doing a Metroidvania game that each of the areas is distinct because you're going to be traveling back and forth through so much, you know, that, that's one of my biggest problems with the original Metroid on NES is how samey everything is. They just kind of change the color mm-hmm. palette, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you can see these different living areas and areas that tie into the lore. So even though you don't really know what's going on with these weird mushroom people, you can tell that something is going on with them. You know, you can you, every every area has kind of a purpose and has its own vibe. And I, I think that that works well. I think they did a good job with distinguishing all of the areas. I think that's important for a game like this. And I think yeah. they did a, a great job on it. Um, do you yeah. have do you have any uh, areas that you like in particular? Because I think that was kind of I, I think we talked about deepness. I like deepness a lot. Oh man, deepness um, is such a nightmare. Uh, I you know you know what playing... I like is the hive because okay. I feel like the hive. Oh yeah, is so different. <laughs> like and then you just break into it. You're like, oh, I guess it's bees now. <laughs> yeah. No, and that that it feels a little more regal and organized. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and not as you, trashed as you rest. get. The, you get this idea that the hive has been less affected than anything else in there probably yeah. because he broke a wall into it <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely uh i think they even the they even make a statement at some point either the boss that you fight there or the queen or something like that that they're like you know your problems the problems with hollow nest aren't our problems yeah uh we're just we're just here minding our own business being underground bees uh, but yeah deep nest nightmare fuel uh the sound design there is is real scary. If you're scared of spiders, whoo. dude, I, 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 I already mentioned it, but I love the spiders in the foreground that you'd see crawling in the corners of the yeah. screen and stuff. That's so such good. a nice touch. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, city of tears might be my mm-hmm. favorite region. City of tears and soul sanctum, uh, have Both some great. of the best music. I think, uh, they're, they're really uh, elegant is such a word that I think works for, uh, hollow Knight. It, yeah, it's really just well, the first time I reached City of Tears, I was like, this is just just mind blowing how beautiful it is in its sadness. You know, the the question about not I mean, you know, not getting into the game. Number one, not every game is for every person. That's just thank you. Yeah, that's that's, that's just very well. said. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's just part of it. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe you don't like Hollow Knight. Um, but if you want to give it another shot remember my uh my statement before about looking for the leaves or the the papers for the maps and just just have patience i I would say it it, give it a couple of hours if you don't like i said the mantis lords if you 
do uh, maybe two or three boss fights and you're just not feeling it at all, yeah. then the game's not for you. But um, but I, I would say if you do that and you're like, okay, this is pretty good, give it to probably, like I said, to the Mantis fight. And, and then mm-hmm. if it's not clicking for you then, then it's just not going to click for you. Right. And then play it and just not like it if you want to. I mean, <laughs> I've done that sometimes. I've, you know, And realize like this is a well-designed game, but I just don't like it. And that's fine. I mean, you don't like you said, you don't have to like everything. Not every game is for everybody. That's just yeah, there's some games that I know are, you know, objectively good games that I just don't like uh-huh. because it doesn't. Yeah, they don't work for me. Yeah. yeah. Once you realize that, that like that unlocks like a, a, a wealth of critical thought about video games as art forms, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then you can get past like, oh, I'm not having fun. I guess I'll put this way and you never experience the rest of it you might get to the end of hollow knight and be like i don't think that was worth it but maybe you'll walk away with other you know yeah. things to take and, and i'm not away. i'm not saying to to sink 30 hours into this game if you're not feeling it you'll, you'll know for sure like i yeah, said that's up to a person to do yeah you'll know after a couple of I mean, boss fights i feel like uh yeah that's fair i mean i've known some people who are like if the game doesn't grab me in 10 minutes i'm out i'll be like 10 minutes the tutorial's not even over in most there games <laughs> exactly i mean i was thinking 10 minutes in final fantasy 10 you're like not even out of well, Xanarchist. yeah when it comes when it comes minutes, to yeah. when it comes to rpgs in particular like you know i was yeah i was playing uh xenoblade uh like that game doesn't start uh until you're like 20 hours in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just how it is yeah, for some yeah. games. Yeah. Yeah. So I, every game's different, you know? Yeah. Um, but here, to, what about the sequel? You know, we mentioned Silk Song earlier, tongue in cheek, loved it. Uh, Silk Song, do you have, uh, do you have thoughts on what you'd like to see? Stevens NES here said, do you hope Silk Song is more of the same or would you like to see team cherry mix it up a little? How would you like to see them mix it up? Um, so I, I mean, just more hollow Knight is good. Number one, but, mm-hmm. um, more just new distinct areas. Now, obviously there's going to be areas that are, that, that may be callbacks just because they're similar in design philosophy, or we need a dark area or we need a scary area or we need like a, a graveyard area or a city area. Like, so there might be some, some things that overlap a little bit, but I think the, the main thing I want out of it, um, is is the same design sensibilities but with uh you know new and unique areas and uh distinct areas and i uh, and i already know we're going to get this and i i want a different set of abilities so the and a feel for yeah. the character uh from yeah. hornet which i know we already have hornet is is going to play very differently so i think from what i've seen of that game it's already exactly what i'm going to want you know yeah i don't think Many people, I almost said anyone, but I don't think many people would want just a reskin of Hollow Knight with, you know, Hornet in that place. Right. But everything she moves exactly the same as the knight. I think that her different style of movement, especially if you can use, I haven't followed it too closely, so I beg your pardon, but especially if you can use like her, uh, her webs to climb to new areas, you can't, yeah, that she, lets she has, you do she has, a whole different level design. She has more. And I, I know that actually that's one of the, um, complaints I've seen from people that like certain Metroidvania games that aren't a huge fan of holiday. And that's something else. I will tell that, uh, the person before that was talking about not being able to get into this game. Hollow Knight doesn't have 
as many um, movement options as some games, some Metroidvania mm-hmm. games. Uh, it does have power-ups to access new areas like any Metroidvania has, but his controls aren't very fluid in, in well, I mean, they're, they're tight, but they're not fluid, if that makes sense. You know, I think what you're, yeah, I, can, I think I can envision what you're saying. Yeah, so like, like they're 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 great controls, but it, it doesn't necessarily always. Well, tell me what you think. <laughs> well, he's slow moving for one. Yeah, just his basic pace of movement. Yeah, isn't that fast? But then I think of something like uh, Metroid Dread, where you're <laughs> just at a mad sprint. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, uh, vaulting over, you know, short things, dropping into a ball, popping back up uh, to keep this momentum forward. I feel like with Hollow Knight, there's a little more uh, of a slower pace and methodical. And, and your pace. upgrade tree takes a while for you to get anything that helps you move too. And that, right. that's something I was going to tell that I was going to say, wait until you have the dash too, because I think that changes the game a lot once you, oh yeah once you have the dash the game feels different so if you're not sure that you feel the game uh try to at least get there red czar here said and i think this summarizes a lot of what we've talked about real nicely uh said hollow knight is almost everything i look for in the genre tight platforming effortless traversal and clean design have made this a benchmark of my expectations it's sharp as a blade of grass i swear it's a lovely synthesis of aesthetic and practicality. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Obviously, <laughs> we can't do it entirely. But I think that, you know, anybody who's listened to this conversation would walk away knowing that you and I, David, uh, hold Hollow Knight in quite high esteem. It's it's a great game. But you know what I'm, I'm actually going to circle back on now? Not every mm-hmm. game has to be everything. So... Mm. even within a genre, something like a Metroidvania game, right? You know, mm-hmm. this game is this huge, expansive, you know, game with a, a deep lore that you can, you know, uh, choose to participate in and, and uncover or not. Um, and it's it's great and it's perfect for what it is. But, you know, everything you look for in the genre, well, I mean, even the genre has so many, you know, is this game better than than Ori or Axiom Verge or yeah. Blasphemous? Well, it might be to it them. Be it to sounds them. like a deeply personal <clears throat> exactly. Statement. And I'm not saying yeah. it's not better than those games. What I'm saying is right. that those games all, while even being in the same genre, uh, have are, are slightly different. You know, they all have their pros and cons. I'm not going to compare this game. I'm not going to say this game is better than Guacamelee because it's. I mean, I, but it's different. It, it's right? different. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it's. With video games in particular, I feel like people are obsessed with this concept of better or worse. When, mm-hmm. you know, you're watching a movie and you're not going to say, like, you know, uh, a movie like, you know, a, a Disney movie. Like, Encanto is not, you know, necessarily better than The Green Knight or worse. They're <laughs> different experiences meant for different audiences and, and trying to do different things you know yeah uh, i do know people who do that with disney movies <laughs> I, I know i know people that do that i know people that do that with all yeah. sorts of movies and all sorts yeah, of it's, media yeah. and books and tv shows yeah. but i think you you have to really get into intent when it comes to that and i feel like people skip over that um right, and, right, right. And, there's more nuance to the conversation exactly and that's why that's why that's the, the one line in there is like it's everything in the genre um i think it's a top example top flight example uh, a top five game in the genre for sure. Um, 
you know, maybe top three. It's very hard ever to, to ever take Symphony of the Night and Super Metroid out of the top spots just because of what they meant yeah. to the genre. <laughs> yeah, now here's the thing. Just, David, could you say that Symphony of the Night is better than Simon's Quest? No ROM hacks. Right, right? yeah, you know. Uh, I, I think that there are some extreme comparisons. I think maybe you could in that if you compare it and say that what Simon's Quest tried to do and yes. what Symphony of the Night tried to do. Symphony of the Night succeeded more in what it was trying to do than Simon's Quest did in what it was trying to do. Right. So even though it's but hard to compare are... them. Like, do you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Right. Those are extreme comparisons, of course, right? Of course, yeah. So, and there, there's an analogy between them in that they're in the same series. Yeah. It becomes a little more difficult, just to empathize with what you're saying here. It becomes more difficult to compare something like Hollow Knight with something like Symphony of the Night. Yeah. That they don't have a direct, you know, line of uh, of lineage connecting them. I, I think. Whereas, I think. I think talking about Hollow Knight as a benchmark standard of the genre going forward makes a lot of sense. So I think it's. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely have to agree. With that. Uh, so as we land here with some audience questions here at the end of the day, normally where we'd put them all, uh, but we covered a lot here. I just want to tell you, listeners, if you've. Wanna, if you've wanted to ask a question uh, or share a comment to get a mention on the show, then keep an eye out on the Twitter at the Wolverine Mage, where I announce the topics for each Magecast episode in advance. Uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about Goldeneye 007 from N64. It's going to be a four-player podcast. Ooh, so yeah, so tune in for that one and line up your questions and comments as well. Um, but I really wanted to give a shout out here at the end to a guy who just beat nightmare king grim today who i was watching stream stream the game scream the game he was screaming <laughs> uh and that is abxy reviews uh who dropped a bunch of questions here but i just wanted to do best enemy noises because we kind of covered the rest of his questions here already but best enemy noises and what pops in my head because he'd mentioned it is the mushroom enemies that go Wah! oh yeah that's a good noise oh man <laughs> that's a good one did you have any that that you remembered? I mean, I can picture Zote the Gray in my head, like yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's been too long for me to like like every time you mention, it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was the noise. But it's been <laughs> like out of everything in the game, and like I said, the sound design in this game was great. Uh, oh yes, yeah. um, but it's very hard for me to. So sorry, I'm sorry to disappoint everybody That's in this podcast. Good. That's all good. And not if a you ever note. come up with one, drop me a sound clip, and, uh, and we'll get. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to give this game another another playthrough. Like I said, I, I recently started it, so why not? Oh, oh man, Steel Soul, do it, David. Uh, maybe. maybe. Okay, I'll think about it. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me know. Uh, well, man, I really appreciate your time, Mr. Crane. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no problem, man. Any any time. I, I enjoy I enjoy talking to people about video games in a. Uh, in an intellectual capacity if possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's much easier to talk about video games with nuance than it is on social media. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Then I'd yeah. just be yelling at you uh, with the character limit. Right. <laughs> well, uh, where can our listeners find you? Um, like I said, any place that we, that we uh, have Source Gaming. Uh, so really, you know, just our, our YouTube, Twitter, just search Source Gaming and we're possibly going to come up. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at 8bit underscore spazzy. That's probably the, the social media I'm most active at. On. So, uh, yeah, just uh, 8-bit underscore spazzy Twitter. 
give me a follow. And uh, sometimes I tweet insightful and or funny things. Uh, and sometimes I don't. So. <laughs> is your pin tweet uh, still the Zack Snyder <laughs> Spider-Man? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Well, we'll catch you next time, David. Thanks very much. Yeah, no problem. Any, like I said, anytime. Had a had a great time. So. Thanks so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next time. If you'd like to continue to support the show, you can either listen to more episodes. You can leave us a review on Spotify. They now added a feature to rate the show, uh, but you can only do it on mobile. So if you listen on mobile on Spotify, drop us a five-star review. We only accept five stars. Uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts as well. If you want to help support the show even further, definitely visit patreon.com forward slash thepixels. Or you can visit thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, to have more magic in your life. And who doesn't need more magic in their life? This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. <laughs>